Hello and welcome to the latest PSG Talking Podcast. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, we're talking all about Paris Saint-Germain's 1-1 draw against Dortmund that ended up being just enough to see them through to the round of 16 of the Champions League. Here to help me do that, we have Jonathan Johnson from CBS Sports. Um, how are things on your end? Has your heart rate finally come down like mine? Hey, thanks for having me on. Always, uh, always look forward to these appearances. And yeah, it was very much a, a white knuckle ride for for all of us, I think. And to be honest, not just uh, regarding you know Dortmund PSG, but uh, sort of regarding Group F as a whole. Uh, you know, I think they had us uh, all on uh, tenter hooks. And obviously, with this being the final um, edition of the Champions League with the group stages as we've known it, uh, you know, I think it was a fitting way for for that format to uh, to, to bow out and. and Luckily, yeah, you know, PSG on the right end of that. Yeah, on the right end of that. And oh my goodness, I mean, during that match, PSG were all the way down in third for a stretch of time. And then they got back up to second. I mean, it was you were bouncing back and forth between the two games. I guess that's that's why we love the Champions League. But maybe we like it when it's not our team involved. Because like I said, my I, I looked at my, my watch and my heart rate was like 123 or something. I mean, I, it was thrilling stuff. But let's just dive right into it. Um, very simply, Jonathan. What did you think of PSG's performance on the night? What did you like? What didn't you like? I mean, that's, uh, there's a lot to unpack in that uh, question. Uh, I mean, sort of what I what I liked. I mean, what I liked is is sort of what I've liked in a lot of PSG's games where they've done well but haven't necessarily gotten the result. They you know they create chances. You just kind of finish that. You just kind of feel sorry if um, you know the players sort of. Were a bit sharper in front of goal. Uh, you know they probably would. Uh, you know be able to, to easily get. Uh, you know the victory against the likes of. Uh, you know certainly Newcastle at home in the penultimate game and, and Dortmund away. So it just feels like a continuation of that, where sort of PSG are kind of like working to fine tune. Uh, you know the the attack, find that right combination that works best. You know there were some good moments for for Kolo Moani and some some not so good moments. Same for. Same for Mbappe, same for Barkala. Uh, it just feels though that you know sh- should you know um, some of the players take one or two of the opportunities that they had, and there were so many. I mean, even just in the first half of PSG, uh, you know, some of these games could have been won uh, a lot more easily. You know, win at home to Newcastle and, and pretty much progress is uh, is assured. Uh, but obviously, we know that PSG made uh, hard work of it, and you know I think that aspect of it is a bit frustrating. The big worry, uh, you know, and I don't think anyone would really disagree, is the the defense. You know, it hasn't looked right for some time now. Uh, not good as well. That uh, sort of you know there's going to be no obvious change in terms of personnel anytime soon. With Kimpembe and Nuno Mendes still no closer to to returning to full fitness. So it's, uh, you know, I do think that that is a worry uh, ahead of the the round of 16. But overall, um, you know, I think I'm actually quite optimistic for PSG ahead of the knockout stage of the Champions League. I've been saying this for a a while now, uh, and I said it at the beginning of this year, that my prediction for PSG was that the group stage performance would not necessarily be as convincing as it has been in the past. But PSG would probably be that team uh, that people think 
is a good draw uh, when the round of 16 draw is made next week. And then sort of by the time February rolls around, we're a bit less sure about their opinion. Basically, with the shoe being on the other foot, you know, PSG normally draws someone. You feel like it's the right time for PSG to come up against that team, whether it's Manchester United, whether it's Real Madrid, whether it's Bayern Munich. uh, And then suddenly, you know, just uh, two weeks, 10 days before the game, uh, you know, that team seems to have roared back into form and suddenly it's not such a great time to come up against them. So I feel like PSG could be that team that, uh, you know, people uh, maybe write off a little too prematurely, uh, you know, but there is still a lot of work to be done uh, between now and sort of the, the round of 16 uh, first leg. So, you know, back to the, back back to the, not, not the drawing board, but back to the training pitch for, for Luis Enrique and the, the players, because obviously things have improved uh, in Ligue 1, but they do need to work on, uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, sharper finishing, taking those opportunities because they will get punished uh, if they're as wasteful as they have been in some of the group stage games, uh, you know, come the knockout phase. Yeah, you mentioned some of those teams that PSG could potentially draw. Arsenal and Arsenal fans, I know you're listening. I see it on Twitter. You all are saying you want PSG. Be careful what you what you wish for here because I think, yeah, like you said, PSG are definitely a team that I don't think a lot of those first-place uh, finishers are going to want to see. It's not really the reward that you would think it is. And you also mentioned some of those missed opportunities. Um, at Chris X Munn on um, Twitter, he said, PSG's XG for the entire group stage, PSG 13.3, opponents were six. You have to wonder if some of those goals start to actually go in and the floodgates open, PSG could absolutely be a dangerous team. Um, JJ, you wrote a piece for us on PSG Talk Extra Time over on Substack about Gianluigi Donnarumma's errors of late and whether PSG might be regretting that signing, maybe time to move on to uh, Arno Tenes or maybe get someone else new. Um I thought that he had a really good game um, last night. He made a, a bunch of key saves. Curious to get your thoughts on his performance. And do you think PSG should go after uh, Mike Mignon over at Milan or another goalkeeper uh, in the summer? What do you think? Look, I'm, I'm going to be totally clear about it. He, uh, Donnarumma had a good game uh, in Dortmund. There's there's no denying that. Uh, but it again, sort of going back to that article that I wrote uh, recently, it played to his strengths. You know, he we've never questioned whether he's able to pull off reflex saves and you know sort of actually block the ball. That's always been one of his strong suits. The the weaknesses. Uh, come when the ball is played back to him. And it was interesting, actually, that the team seemed to play fewer passes back to him or fewer potentially dangerous passes, uh, you know, back to him, which, you know, kind of cut out some of the potential risk factor in terms of a self-inflicted, uh, you know, goal, uh, conceded goal. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't enough because PSG did still get caught, uh, you know, dawdling on the ball at the back line. But there's there's no way that you can really blame Donnarumma for, for that. I do think that he still palms the ball out a little bit too much when he makes saves that he possibly could hold on to. But um, overall, no, you know, no major criticism of his performance uh, in in Dortmund. But it's funny we're talking about Mignon. You know, Mignon actually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure most PSG fans are aware of it now, but he actually played a crucial role for PSG in this result. Because if he doesn't make that phenomenal save in the second half when it's 1-1 between Newcastle and Milan, perhaps Newcastle go on and win it. And, you know, had they done so, they would have finished above PSG. So Mignon 
still, uh, you know, a Milan player, but uh, also, uh, you know, really doing PSG a solid. Um, PSG legend. <laughs> well, he could be one day. Uh, you know, I do think it would be great to see him come back to Parc des Princes and actually play again because I don't think from memory that he made a senior appearance. But uh, uh, in any case, that's off the top of my head and we'll see if that ever, uh, you know, sort of does become a possibility. But, um, you know, I think Donnarumma has been given long enough to, to really, uh, you know, make a strong case for, for, for himself to be sort of beyond any, uh, you know, criticism. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he hasn't, uh, he hasn't done it. But he is the number one at this moment in time and, and had a very good game in Dortmund. So no... No undue criticism uh, on this end. Yeah, I mean, for a guy that the last time we saw him out on the pitch for PSG was kicking a guy in the head, he certainly showed up in in Dortmund in that atmosphere. So good performance from him. All right, let's kind of dissect some of the the moments of this match. So PSG, they go down a goal. Um, Newcastle then took the lead. I mentioned earlier, PSG then fell to third. They were looking Europa League right in the eyes at that point. Did you think it was all over? Did you have any confidence PSG could pull this off? Because in years past, we've all seen it. PSG go down a goal, then the mistakes start happening, then the red cards start happening, and they just it seems like all the players just lose their mind. No matter who's out there for PSG, year after year, the same things happen. So when, when everything looked like it was going against PSG, did you still have faith that they could pull this off? I mean, I still had faith that PSG would continue to create chances, which they did. I mean, it's a different; it has a different type of impact on PSG now when they concede a goal. It's quite interesting to see because the team reacts as a team should, sort of, you know, really frustrated, determined to to set things right. Uh, you know, it's not the kind of deflating effect that that you used to see when PSG would concede a goal, and I think that's. A big improvement because it was that sort of deflating period, uh, you know, that would often kill PSG in games, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, they used to have the likes of Neymar, uh, Messi, Verratti, uh, you know, when those guys' heads would drop, they would rarely, uh, you know, get them back up. But this PSG, there's a bit more about them. They don't have that same uh, sort of experience of some of the past failures that have haunted PSG and haunted certainly some, uh, you know, some of the players individually. Uh, you know, so I think that based on the way that PSG were performing, it was inevitable that they would create other chances and, you know, just great that they managed to take one and, and fantastic for Zaya Emery as well, returning from injury to be the guy, you know, the the main man, uh, you know, stepping up and, and being the hero. Obviously, Mbappe had a, a goal chalked off for a very marginal offside as well, which was, uh, which was a shame. But there were a number of chances that PSG created. True, you know, they also conceded a few opportunities, but that's part and parcel of the way that Luis Enrique sets his teams up. Uh, you know, I think many people questioned, um, you know, why Ugarte was left out of the starting eleven, but saw uh, sort of with his introduction during the second half, sort of what the overarching uh, kind of strategy and thinking behind that was from uh, from Luis Enrique. Uh, you know, and I don't think anyone can really argue with the performance PSG put in in terms of creating enough chances to win the game. Again, it just comes back to that question of finishing and needing to be a little sharper, uh, you know, in front of goal and in those key moments, uh, you know, but you could argue that, you know, had the ball bounced slightly differently, Mbappe scores, Sula doesn't make that fantastic goal line block, uh, you know, Barkala, uh, you know, if it's a couple of, in, uh, you know, almost centimetres really, uh, 
closer to the uh, you know the more central part of the goal it goes in doesn't hit the post uh you know Kolo Moani, if he puts a little bit more power on that poke uh, you know probably puts it in the back of the net and that's just three potential goals uh, that could have been scored in the first half so uh, you know i i think there's certainly enough um you know character that psg show when they concede goals it's just frustrating that this sort of iteration of psg under luis enrique have this nasty habit of finding themselves in very awkward defensive uh, situations. And often it comes when the, the ball is at the feet of either a defender or Donnarumma. It's sort of that back five area, uh, you know, playing around with the ball at their feet. And none of them really seem truly comfortable. Okay, we know, you know, Hakimi is much more comfortable further up the pitch when he's bombing forward and has been massively decisive for PSG so far this season in that respect. But sort of defensively, you know, he was caught dawdling, uh, you know, and PSG nearly paid the price for that. Marquinhos still not really getting to grips with being captain, if I'm brutally honest, and, and sort of organising the team. You know, you would have thought years alongside Thiago Silva, uh, you know, would have taught him, uh, you know, how it's done uh, at the very highest level, but it doesn't seem like it's, uh, you know, rubbed off uh, on him or had the desired effect. Skriniar still taking a long, long time to, to really find the, the kind of form the PSG would have expected uh, from him. I know that he was coming off of a, a very difficult injury to recover from, but he's, you know it still feels very clunky, that central defensive setup, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Um, and Lucas said on this, um, to be honest, I think if I was to pick a defender who I feel most satisfied with um, so far this season. I actually think that he's he's bedded in really well. I think, you know, he's a really solid option at left back. We haven't seen too much of him in central defence because there just, ha- you know, there isn't the depth at left back at this moment in time to move him anywhere else. But I like his commitment on the field, his attitude, um, you know, listening to him in press conferences as well. Uh, you know, his, his sort of commitment, his professionalism, you know, obviously things didn't get off to an ideal start with, you know, the, the fans taking exception to the fact that he comes from Marseille and grew up supporting OM. But, uh, you know, I think he's proved very quickly that, you know, he's here to do a job, here to do a job well, and his consistency has been, uh, you know, very welcome so far. But that doesn't, unfortunately, take away from the fact that the back four as a whole has just not really been that convincing so far. So, do think that PSG really needs to consider potentially bringing in a, a, an extra body uh, in the January transfer window, especially with Kimpembe and Mendes not even certain to sort of be ready for, say, February when we're sort of coming up on uh, the round of 16 and the resumption of play in the Champions League. Whether it's a loan deal, uh, you know, whether it's looking to, to find potentially a, a good opportunity for, you know, to bring in a player for the future, uh, you know, I've written about. Uh, you know, PSG's interest in Lille's uh, Lenny Euro as well. But I really feel like it, um, yeah, uh, unless Luis Enrique can sort of help to work with the defence to cut out some of those mistakes that really don't need to be made, uh, it feels like PSG are just sort of waiting to, to shoot themselves in the foot no matter how many chances they create going forward. Yeah, we're going to ask you about PSG's uh, January transfer window here in just a bit, but... um. Yeah, definitely agree. Everything you said about the defense is always looking shaky. I don't know why we try to play out from the back. It just always seems to turn into a bit of a mess and, and ultimately put Donnarumma under some pressure. Um, you mentioned Mbappe was was called offside. It looked like his kneecap was just off. And just in general, I just think like, you know, the game is set up so we're giving penalties and ultimately goals for when a ball hits a player's chest and then hits their arm. But if a kneecap is you know, centimeters offside, we, we call back a goal. 
something doesn't seem right about that. I, I don't know. Maybe the rules people higher up in the game can take a look at that, but that just seems like we're, we're ruining maybe the most exciting part of the game. Um, but I want to, you mentioned Warren Zaire Emery, uh, he scored PSG's only goal. Talk about his performance. You mentioned, I mean, he, it was a, a pretty nasty ankle injury he had. We weren't expecting him back until after the winter break, he comes in and it looks like he doesn't miss a step. He gets man of the match. So just talk about his performance. And, and then ultimately you mentioned Marquinhos isn't feeling comfortable as captain. Could you see a PSG with Zaire Emery as captain, perhaps as early as next season? I mean, uh, as as early as next season, perhaps not. But you know, I think uh, as long as Zaire Emery continues, uh, you know, on this current trajectory um, and is mature as he as he has been so far since stepping in for PSG at senior level, you know, why not? He certainly has the the early credentials. Obviously, he's had a taste of leadership as well at under twenty one level. Uh, you know, and I, I think he would be sort of the right kind of candidate as well for, you know, this sort of new look PSG that has more of a French feel and, and sort of more of a Parisian feel to it. So, you know, certainly I think he's a candidate for the future, but as early as next year, uh, I'm not sure that, that, you know, putting that much sort of expectation and burden on him uh, this early in his career would be wise, especially at a club like PSG where the expectation is sky high. But then, you know, depending on what happens this season, you know, maybe those expectations finally, uh, you know, sort of level out, uh, you know, and, and sort of a bit more realism enables, uh, you know, PSG to, to make a decision uh, and build for the future with somebody like Zaire Emery, if not in the captain's role, then at least in sort of a, a fairly high up leadership um, role, but you know I think it was fantastic to see him get back to you know to, to to first team action after that injury that he picked up on France international duty. Felt really unfortunate and like it was going to clip uh, you know his progression just at a, at a at a pivotal moment. But you know he's bounced back a lot faster than uh, PSG medical staff expected. Perhaps they were a little too hasty in writing him off. But at that time, uh, you know they had uh, enough depth, and you know they they had time on their side in terms of letting him uh, rest up and recover properly uh, before returning to action. And then, of course, that injury to to Fabian Ruiz. Uh, you know, I think really sort of expedited his return. But, you know, the fact that he was able to sort of shake off what could have been quite an, a niggly injury, um, you know, quite quickly, uh, you know, has been really impressive and, you know, fantastic for him to basically not not drop a beat, as you said, and, uh, you know, put in the kind of performance that he did uh, in Dortmund because it's a very difficult place to go. It can be a very daunting atmosphere and he, you know, he made it look easy as he has done so many times, uh, this season. So really exciting to, to have Zaya Emery in this kind of form again, uh, you know, despite the injury, um, and, you know, looking very much the part in PSG's midfield. So, you know, while things are going sort of as well as they, they are, um, you know, you don't sort of want to, to risk, breaking up that momentum but um, I, I do think sort of longer term uh, you know that there are, are big question marks about PSG's captaincy um, uh, you know and whether it really makes sense to sort of persevere with uh, with Marquinhos in that position uh, I did see a lot of logic in, in Kylian Mbappe taking over that mantle but equally sort of given the way that everything went sort of from the end of last season over the summer coming into this one there wasn't really uh, you know, much choice for Luis Enrique, but to to sort of uh, you know leave it to the players to to reelect uh, you know Marquinhos as the as the skipper. So you know, long term, I, I certainly think that Zaya Emery is starting to assert his credentials, but perhaps it makes sense to sort of ease him into that a little bit more and 
I don't know, maybe next season look at, um, you know, possibly, uh, you know, promoting him into sort of maybe a vice captaincy or sort of one of the, the, the sort of th- the third captain, something like that, uh, you know, so that he does get a taste of it um, every now and then. Because I think as long as PSG handle his, his development, both, uh, you know, technically and, and mentally, uh, as they have been doing so far, uh, and, you know, don't sort of put too much, you know, burden on his shoulders, uh, you know, I th- I think there's no doubt that it's just a question of time before he is really truly the the leader of this PSG side. Yeah, fantastic player, and there was a lot of moaning from the Newcastle um, supporters and a lot in the media about you know all the injuries that Newcastle had and as an excuse for finishing dead last in the group. But let's not forget at that home match against Newcastle, PSG didn't have Zaire Emery due to injury, and he's such an important part of PSG's midfield and. It's crazy to say at 17, but he really is that important for PSG and what they're trying to do. Um, let's let's look at the end of the match because there's a little bit of controversy with the way PSG wrapped up this match. It was 1-1. I guess word got through that Milan were in the lead over Newcastle. And so Luis Enrique sort of directed the team to, okay, let's just stay calm. Let's not get forward too much. Let's just you know, see this match out when we're through. There was a video I saw on social media of Mbappe looking clearly annoyed. There was other reports. I think RMC had it. Um, they said he was disappointed. He wanted to go for the win and top the group. Um, do you think, what is your opinion? Do you think PSG should have pushed forward and get that goal that could have seen them top the group? I mean, to be honest, I don't think that PSG could have pushed forward much more than they did <laughs> over the whole game. I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Luis Enrique kind of, put the handbrake on in sort of like the last five to 10 minutes, but PSG spent 80 minutes of that game, uh, you know, basically trying to, to, to go for the jugular. And uh, I think really, uh, you know, if, if Mbappe is frustrated about the, the approach, he should probably feel frustrated with himself for maybe not taking the, the chance that he had, which was blocked by Zuda. I do feel he was, um, he was uh, unlucky with the offside. Uh, you know, it is sort of, you know, fractions really uh you know that that was judged by um but you know psg were were on the right side uh, of one of those calls just uh, two weeks ago at home to newcastle so you know those are the breaks uh, you know sometimes it goes for you sometimes it goes against you but I, you know i think to, to sort of suggest that psg were not attack minded enough going into this game is yeah is, is probably far from the point uh, really uh, you know I think that Luis Enrique set the team up to be attacking they did attack they had the chances they created more than enough uh, you know they just didn't score and at the end of the day the responsibility to put the ball in the back of the net falls to uh, you know in this case the front three from that game uh, you know and that was Mbappe himself Koromani uh, Barkala. so you know I think perhaps if you ever gone Salo Ramos on the pitch maybe he makes a difference obviously he was ill so he wasn't there in Germany with the rest of the squad but um, you know PSG have more than enough attacking talent uh, you know on the roster uh, you know had the likes of Asensio on the bench as well there, there was more than enough uh, firepower for PSG to have gotten a second goal with the chances created so no I don't think it was really a question of uh, approach um, and I completely understand why Luis Enrique given sort of the up and down nature of the group especially sort of heading into the last 15 minutes or so uh, you know opted to sort of put the handbrake on, uh, you know, sent on uh, Ugarte, who dished out a few uh, a, a few equalising challenges. And, um, 
yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's worked out in his favour. Didn't quite win in the way that he was confidently announced uh, PSG would in the pre-match press conference. But overall, um, you know, he's succeeded in taking PSG into the knockout stage of the Champions League so far and PSG are top of Ligue 1. So, uh, you know, there's not really that much the, the, that Enrique can be criticised for at this moment in time. And it's, you know, when you're watching the team as well, there is tangible progress. You know, PSG, if they created that many chances against Bayern in one of the games or even even over the two legs, uh, you know, they they would have had a much better chance of going through. They were not that creative uh, last season, despite having some of the, you know, bigger star names and, and greater star power in the in the starting eleven. So I, I think the approach was uh, was fine. Um, you know, maybe a little, not going to say suicidal, but, uh, you know, a little too sort of heavy on the attacking uh, emphasis. But... Um, you know, it, it's almost like it needs sort of the, the attacking uh, emphasis to be turned up in order for PSG to get the goals that they need to win these games. Uh, and that's perhaps uh, sort of looking back on it now, um, you know, what Enrique felt in the Newcastle game, because as much as we know that the Newcastle game was a thrashing, uh, you know, PSG also created quite a few opportunities in that game. You know, Dembele had one or two just himself, uh, you know, and there were a couple of other openings that were created as well. So it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot to, sort of for PSG to take out of this uh, group stage showing, uh, you know, but I don't think it should necessarily result in, you know, a maybe more defensive-minded approach, just, I guess, maybe more pragmatic from Luis Enrique is what he might need to consider. Yeah, I think in this situation, it's really easy to be critical of Luis Enrique. You know, think about if he does push forward and, you know, sends Donnarumma up there for a corner kick or something and, and PSG let one in, then we're all being critical. Why didn't you play defensively? Why didn't you, you know, come back a little bit, you know, and, and just see this match out? So very easy to be critical of Luis Enrique. Um, and you're right. Mbappe, everyone's seen the screenshot and the, and the text is, Mbappe missed this opportunity. I mean, you got to score that goal. You absolutely do. And, and credit to Asula, who made an incredible sliding save, save of the group stage, I think. Um, let's look ahead a little bit here, Jonathan. Who do you think is the best matchup for PSG in the round of 16? Not who you hope or maybe is the most attractive, but like stylistically, who do you think PSG matches up best against and have the best opportunity to, uh, to advance past to? I mean, it's a really good question. Uh, I'm I'm slightly biased. I would really like to see PSG get uh, Real Sociedad because I would like to go to San, back to San Sebastian. It's a fantastic place, uh, and I think uh, it's a really really good away day. But actually, in terms of the best matchup, uh, I actually think that a team like an Atletico Madrid, especially this new Atleti that's quite attack minded. I think that could be a really interesting matchup. Uh, obviously, Luis Enrique and Diego Simeone know each other well from their time coaching against each other. Uh, and, you know, and I think it would be uh, a really entertaining game. Don't think it would be too difficult for PSG um, away from home as it would do maybe in some of the other potential matchups. Uh, and also, I think as well, you know, just being completely biased, you know, we want a bit of variety, right? We don't want to get the same teams that PSG have been drawn against uh, a few times in the past. So, you know, no Bayern, no Real, no City. We've seen those, uh, you know, draws a, a couple of times in uh, in recent years. So, you know, I think Atleti would be quite refreshing because it's a big 
prestigious tie uh, against a very good club in, in good form. Uh, one that will be a test, but also not one that necessarily will feel too impossible to PSG if that's what comes out of the hat on Monday. Would you agree that probably City is the worst potential matchup in terms of style and, and maybe followed by Real Madrid? I mean, I don't really agree with sort of a worst possible draw mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, all of these teams are very good and they're mm-hmm. in the knockout phase because they deserve to be there. Um, it's just, I th- I think that, you know, at the end of the day, some of these bigger names are going to look more daunting, but equally at the same time, you know, PSG, like I said, I, I felt like they're going to be the team that a lot of people maybe sleep on and think is an easy draw and then will be a completely different beast. Uh, you know, come uh, come February. So, I think Atleti would be would be an interesting one. I mean, Barcelona. You know, first time in a while that's happened. Maybe uh, you know that could also be quite a fun one. But as much as Barca, uh, you know, have have got a lot of new players in, they're not quite at the same level as a, a Real, a Bayern, or a, a City, in my opinion. So, you know, maybe a Barca or Arsenal could be interesting as well. I just feel that Atleti is probably the best matchup. If I was going to say that there was a worst draw. Mm-hmm. Um, t- to be honest, it would probably be somebody like a Bayern, given the the knowledge that that Thomas Tuchel sort of has of uh, of PSG and sort of that certainly that mental capitulation that the team is prone to. So actually, I'd, I'd probably yeah, I'd probably say Bayern is maybe the worst possible draw for for PSG. And that's just great because according to those who crunch the numbers, PSG have the highest uh, percentage to draw Bayern Munich at 17.3%. Uh, Sociedad is down at 13.59%. In fact, all the Spanish clubs are at 13.59% um, chance for PSG to draw them. City is the second most likely at 1475 So, uh, yeah. And plus, you know, sacking Tuchel right before Christmas, I'm sure – he won't have any any extra motivation to uh, knock PSG out of the round of 16. So hopefully we don't see them. But yeah, it'll probably be a big club. If you're a longtime PSG supporter, you know we don't ever get a favorable draw in the round of 16. So buckle up. Should be fun. Um, Jonathan, we'll get you out with just a couple questions here, just getting away from the Dortmund match. Um, and I want to talk about the January transfer window and maybe some business that might get done. First... Um, if PSG end up sending Sharon Dorr out and Ethan Mbappe out on loan, are there clubs that you think would be ideal for their development? Where would you like to see them go? Maybe stay in Ligue 1 or, or go elsewhere? What do you think about those two? I mean, we've seen from loan moves in the past that it doesn't really work out um, when PSG loan uh, you know, somebody to a league outside, they don't necessarily play enough, especially when it's um, come in sort of like the, the mid-season. Uh, you know, period. It's very difficult to uh, to bed them in properly and for them to have a real impact. So, I mean, for me, I think that if either of those two, for example, were to go out on loan, it feels better that they might drop into Ligue 2, maybe go to a club that's, you know, potentially, uh, you know, in the mix to, to get promoted uh, or is looking to, you know, for an uptick in form. Uh, possibly one that's just uh, appointed a new coach so that all the players start at the same place, including anyone who might come in, uh, you know, in the January window. Just feels like sometimes the, the moves to a, a league young club are, you know, the stakes are almost too high because if they go to a, a league young club that's battling against the drop, uh, you know, generally the, the more experienced players will, will get the nod in those kind of situations. Um, you know, less... 
sort of, uh, you know, perhaps one of those teams that's unexpectedly faring well, uh, you know, was was to be open to potentially, uh, you know, taking one of PSG's talents on loan. Uh, you know, I'm thinking the likes of uh, Brest, for example, who obviously have, have been excellent so far this season and a real uh, surprise package up there in fifth. Maybe a house, um, but it's, yeah, it's difficult to see any sort of obvious um, immediate fit uh, in Ligue 1 uh, and personally I think it would be better to, to look towards Ligue 2 or you know maybe even a, a Belgium uh, you know where it's not that drastic a, a, a cultural change and then just kind of zooming out a little bit what do you think PSG might do in January I think a lot of supporters and it sounds like you as well the defense needs to be addressed but we know how difficult the January transfer window can be you know is a player like Varane on the table for Manchester United. I mean, are there a couple names out there defensively that you think would be realistic signings that they could make in January? I mean, I think there's a number of players out there who they could go in for, whether or not they're available, whether or not they want to sort of make the move is another question. Varane, I like aspects of it. I don't like other aspects of it. Um, you know, we know that Varane has already had to retire at international level because of some of the physical issues that he's had. Um, you know, he's not getting any younger either, but equally, he is vastly experienced, um, you know, and he is a top quality defender when he is fit. Um, obviously, financially, there'd be the, you know, that consideration as well. <clears throat> Bayern Munich have been linked with him too. So clearly, uh, you know, his stock hasn't fallen that much with Manchester United going out of Europe. You know, potentially there is a deal there that can be uh, that can be struck, uh, you know, but also <clears throat> depends on how sort of forward thinking PSG want to be. I don't personally see the point of acquiring a player in the January transfer window and agreeing to let them stay at their club on loan. So if that's sort of what... PSG have in mind for somebody like Lenny Euro. Uh, I think the only sort of scenario where that's acceptable really uh, is if PSG absolutely have to make the move in January in order to beat off competition for his signature. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think PSG will have to look uh, at sort of the opportunities that present themselves sort of between now and the, the opening of the, the transfer window and try to get that business done as quickly as possible so that they get maximum amount of time to work on the chemistry uh, and, uh, you know, potentially be ready for the resumption of Champions League play. Because let's not forget, it's going to be a busy start to the year as well. You've got the Trophée des Champions, which will be played in Paris against Toulouse in very early January. You've got the Coupe de France, so there's going to be a couple of tricky games there. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot for, for PSG to, to consider. But, um, you know, I do think that a, a defender, certainly a left-footed uh, defender, has to be sort of the, the priority because ideally it would be one who can potentially, uh, you know, step in and uh, relieve Hernandez uh, from time to time as well. But, um, you know, it's a question of the opportunities available on the market for, for PSG. And, you know, if, if it was to be a French player, uh, you know, I think, you know, it would be a good fit as well with the, the way that the squad has been developed uh, since the summer transfer window. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think advancing to the next round certainly puts a lot of pressure on Campos and Nasser to identify players and bring them in and reinforcements. We know injuries are always popping up here and there, and you never know. And with Mendez and Kempembe kind of delayed in their return, I think there is some business that needs to be done. Um, we'll have to see. I'm sure the rumors will be heating up here soon. Uh, you mentioned the Coupe de France. Excited about that. Playing the sixth tier, uh, Ravel uh, the team. They, we saw the video of their players. 
amateurs, right? They're they're celebrating to be able to go up against a team like PSG, so that'll be entertaining. And then, yeah, we'll see on the draw who PSG draws um, in the next round. It'll be a lot to look forward to. Uh, but Jonathan, thank you so much. We, we've kept you too long here. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Always appreciate your insight. Thank you, uh, everyone out there, to listening to this hopefully high quality podcast. Always appreciate your support. And uh, and lastly, happy holidays uh, from everyone here at PSG Talk. All right, until next time. Bye for now.